This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It is the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We are going to talk to our friend Tim Lacombe coming up here shortly. Stay tuned. Of course, Tim, our analyst, uh, jazz pre, half, and post uh, game coverage. We'll get his thoughts on the final two games. If uh, if you uh, are just joining us, injury reports for the Jazz and Oklahoma City released. The big news, Mike Conley has been upgraded to questionable for tomorrow's game. So has Juwan Morgan. Donovan Mitchell obviously still remains out. For the Thunder, Lou Dort out. Shea Gilgis-Alexander out. Mike Muscala out. Questionable Ty Jordan. So oh. Or not Ty Jordan, excuse me. Oh, that's a terrible slip. Ty Jerome, who yeah. has a, a left calf strain. All right. Well, so nobody's playing for the Thunder. <laughs> you would expect the Jazz to win that game, no matter how tired their players are. Agree. I feel the uh, I feel the same way about Sunday's game as well, which uh, does have a game time seven o'clock, right, Austin? Oh, late. seven Mountain. They they it was supposed to be all within a afternoon window, but a, reportedly, according to Shams, a bunch of NBA teams balked at that idea. So, so will the Jazz finish up about last? They'll be one of the last to play. So they'll know what they have to do? If That's correct. they do have to do something? All right, uh, Tim's visit today brought to you by Cypress Credit Union. For a limited time only, get a free jazz-signed Joe Ingalls jersey when you open a new dream checking account with direct deposit at Cypress Credit Union. Cypress Credit Union, your future is our future. Joining us now, my co-host on Jazz Pre-Half and Post-Game Coverage, our good friend, Coach Tim Lacombe. What's going on, Tim? What's going on, guys? How are you? Tim, do you like spending time in New York? Tim? How about that? Do you like spending time in New York? I love New York. Yeah? I'm a big New York guy. Yeah, for sure. I just saw the Joan Rivers uh, luxurious and haunted New York City penthouse has been listed for $38 million. So I thought that might be of interest to you. Um, I'd have to have quite a team to get that done. Um, but, you know, that's what we do. We build teams, right, Gordo? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's your career, man. You've been building teams from the very beginning. Certainly tried. I don't know how, how successful, but there was a, I promise you there was a lot of effort, always. So last night I was listening to you and Jake in the post game, uh, and uh, I, I want you to... Now that you've had time to think about it, what is your conclusion off what you saw last night, Tim? That if the Jazz rolled that team out there every night, that they would not be the number one seed in the West. Would they make the playoffs? Um, you know, there there was a lot to be desired on the offensive end, and I think that that's what is probably the biggest uh, – 
I don't know. I mean, that's the biggest thing difference you see is it's just way less weapons and way less diverse weapons. And, you know, that's where you get in depth any, at any point. That's where you start to see. And, um, I, you know, don't, don't get me wrong. I love what these young guys have done and are doing to help this team win. But when you ask them to, you know, when they've had to step in and like Trent Forrest, for instance, play 20 minutes a game, he's just, you know, he's not ready for that right now. And, uh, you know, there'll probably be a time where he will be, but right now, I mean, you know, and I should say he's had some nice games, um, but I think consistently what you you know what you typically give a guy for 20 minutes, um, you know I think Trent's he's just not there yet. Tim McComb is with us, uh, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Mike Conley, uh, we just got the the injury report, uh, Tim, and he's officially listed as questionable for tomorrow night's game. Anything to read into there? Uh, that's I would say that's a positive sign. You know, if he's upgraded. Um, questionable is definitely better than doubtful or out so step in the right direction um it would be interesting to see how he's feeling and and what that means but i i I gotta think that's good news what do you think the jazz need okay look we know they're not playing without two of their stars but what do they need um to improve tim when those guys come back i think just you know naturally by getting those minutes back, you know, and getting actually guys in the roles. You know, I think Joe Ingles, for instance, has, you know, we talked about Joe as uh, he, he shot the ball as good as, as I've seen anybody shoot it there for a period this year. And I think a big part of that uh, was, uh, you know, his, his real comfort with, you know, the shots he was getting and the way he was getting them. And his whole, you know, his whole game had to change, you know, while these guys have been out. So, I, I think there's not a whole lot. I mean, if you look at statistically over the body of work over the year, um, you know, and you look at where they fall in offense and where they fall in defense and, um, you know, the way they rebound the basketball, uh, and, you know, I just think all those numbers are real positive numbers. And I, I've said it all year long. I think the sum of this team's parts, um, you know, or the makeup of this this team, you know, the, the, the sum of its parts is greater than its whole. And I think that the – um, I think that these guys are a, you know, a perfect, perfect put together team. I think they have diverse strengths, and I think some things are, you know, there's certainly things that are, uh, one guys are better that than others. But um, no, I just like the way this team's put together, and I think that that's the most important thing is it gets back together. Tim, you and I have talked about this, but uh, you know, I get, it's a hot topic in fandom out there. But uh, with Donovan Mitchell not uh, coming back for the regular season, would he be better off um, uh, coming back and getting a little work, or do you think it doesn't matter because of that week off in between? No, I think um, that week off in between is big. Um, I think that it's a uh, it's a really nice thing that isn't typical and. I think they've had their eye on that, you know, knowing they're going to have that be in that position for a minute. And so, um, no, I think that that's the, I think that's the goal. That's the aim is to get everybody on that same page and get firing during that, that little window right there. Tim, do you think if the offensive end Rudy Gobert is utilized to his full extent or is there more there or is there opportunity for him to do more or could there be? Well, I think there's always room to improve. And the part that I, I would, I think, if you look at him this year, as even opposed to a year ago, um, you know, I think you've seen a development in being able to do more things better. And 
I think that his, you know, his back to the basket game is probably never going to be uh, great, but, but to, you know, in fairness to him, it's not something he gets a ton of reps of, nor really does anybody in the NBA anymore. Um, you know, that, it's a different game and you don't get fives that just, uh, you know, go down there and, uh, you know, even Jokic, you know, what makes him so special is he can pop and he can, he can attack from the perimeter. So I think, you know, that's the new age big guy. Um, and, and so, yeah, I think there's more that we, that Rudy can do. You know, I've, I've seen him take a couple shots this year from 13, 14 feet. Uh, but it's, it's the little things, the way he's finishing, um, you know, the way he's catching the ball, the way that he's moving the ball, you know, able, on the move to be able to get a pass on a roll and then once again, you know, make a pass to a, an open shooter opposite. That, all that stuff is, is way better than it was, like I said, even a year ago. And, um, and I think that's what really encourages you if you're a Rudy guy is, you know, I think there's still stuff that he can continue to develop. So I guess, I guess the root of my question is, should the Jazz give him more opportunities? Or has that been compromised because Donovan and Mike aren't on the floor? Yeah, I, I, yeah, that, he really does benefit when there's when there's a threat in every one of those four spots, um, and you know, and then I think it's it's pretty well known. I think Joe is Joe and Rudy have a great connection, but Mike and Rudy were pretty good this year too, um, and so you just get different looks from different guys. Um, but I really do think the spacing element is the most important thing for Rudy. Um, you know, if teams want to take him away, they can, but. You know, at, at jeopardy of giving up uh, threes to guys that can shoot them. Right now, they can they can kind of take Rudy away uh, because they don't have to guard certain guys out on the floor, and we haven't seen that this year. And that's the beauty of this year's team. Who's the team to beat in the West, Tim? Yeah, it's tough. Um, you know, the team that that probably has. In my mind, the guys you know that have been there, they've kind of done it. I mean, I think the Clippers are the team that you know. There's been a lot of talk about Phoenix and Utah um, as kind of the up and comers, and then obviously everybody's kind of just prodding the Lakers, waiting for them to come along. I mean, I really think Murray's injury kind of takes Denver out. As great as Jokic is, and as good as they are, I just think you know at, at their core they're just not the same. And um, so I would say. I would probably say the Clippers in my mind, if, if you're setting a favorite for the West, that would probably be my favorite just because they've done it. You know, they're capable of doing it. Um, uh, and But I, I'm telling you, the Jazz probably next and Phoenix right there as well. I, I think that's the way I'd probably position it. So an attendant question, and actually it's uh, there's duality to it. It's it's. Uh, not it's not so much who's the, who are the best teams in the West. It's which teams do you think would pose the greatest threat to the Jazz as a matchup? Uh, and maybe I don't know. Maybe the answer is the same for both. But what, what do you think? Um, certainly, Phoenix is a, plays a style. You know, switching, um, having multiple guys. Really, you know, that combination of of Booker and Paul, um, and then. You know, they've got nice pieces around them. Uh, I think they almost are kind of a mirror image of what Jazz are in a lot of respects um, from a confidence and offensive standpoint with many weapons. Um, you know, and I think that their style of defense gives the Jazz issues. I think we've seen that. Um, you know, 
uh, Jokic is a tough matchup for for the Jazz because you know he gets Rudy moving around and and gets involved in pick and pop, and we've seen him have huge nights. Uh, I think you know you could go down the list. I I don't know that there's I guess an easy matchup out there. You know, I, Jake and I were talking the other night. You know, we probably say all this stuff um, about Golden State. You know, get, being in the play in and finding their way in and and really what it's going to be is San Antonio, you know, or something crazy like that. You just don't know. But um, I think for multiple different reasons, I think, you know, each team poses a different challenge, but I would say that the team that the teams that kind of stand out just from the year, um, you know, the way Denver plays offensively and the way they use Jokic and then, you know, Phoenix's uh, tenacity and toughness and, and, and really two really good players and on the perimeter. I asked you about the West, Tim. Who do you like in the East? Man, I'll tell you what, the Heat started to play well. Um, and Jake and I, you, you and I talked about it. When the Jazz played, I don't even think they were in the playoff picture at the time. Uh, but I, I think that they, they, they're kind of a dark horse for me. Um, I'm not a believer in Philly. I, I've got to see it. I, I mean, there's just too many things there, you know, that I'm just not crazy about. Um, you know, and, and so Milwaukee, obviously, Giannis is playing great. Um, and, and I think that he's, he's somebody to look at. Um, but I, I don't know. It's, it's a kind of a crapshoot over there to me. Um, who comes out of it? It'll, it'll be kind of like last year where a team maybe gets hot and, and kind of fight, finds their way through it. So other than Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, who who is well, – let me include Mike Conley in that just for fun here. Who's the next most important jazz player? So you take Rudy and Donovan and Mike, those are the three you took. Yep. Who's the next most important? Um, man, that's a good question because, you know, there's lots of different reasons why you could say one guy over the other. Um, but I just think the probably the, the biggest difference maker and the way, a guy that can change the game pretty quick is Clarkson. Um but I think there'd be an argument there also for Bojan because Bojan does a lot, you know, is a versatile piece the Jazz use in so many different ways. Um, so it'd probably be a toss-up for me between those two, but I said Clarkson first, so I'd probably go with my instinct, although that's gotten me in trouble far too many times. Okay, so I'm not picking on Bojan here, although Jake and I have sort of made a funny bit out of this whole thing. But uh, do his turnovers drive you a little crazy? You know what's crazy is they, they, I think what drives me crazy about him is they happen in bunches. Um, I think he's a kind of an all-or-nothing guy. You don't really notice him, and then you know have a game where it just is is a tough issue for him that night. Um, I, I, the problem is I'm, I'm, I see the the glass is half full, and I see all the things that that dude does that you know we beg to have. If we go down the list and we're saying you know I think Clarkson's four. And it really is kind of splitting hairs. But when did you get, you know, your fourth and fifth guy on your your pegging order that were capable of getting you 40 points and really kind of making it look easy? Um, so I think there's some real value in what Boyan does. And so that's why it's easy for me um, to kind of look beyond some of that stuff. Because I do think it is something that you see. And when you do see it, it happens kind of in bunches. 
Um, and I think that's probably the irritant. As as a coach, does that would that drive you crazy, or did it drive you crazy when oh, you yeah, saw yeah, quality sure. players? Because oh, no. he kind of presents no the ball and he pounds the rock, and 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 he's not the quickest player in the world. And there's an awful lot of quick hands in the NBA. Oh, for sure. I mean, yeah, as a coach, I mean, it's part of the reason I'm you know batty out here now. Uh, is you know there's a lot of a lot of water under that bridge, but. Yeah, every single guy you coach has their thing, and that's really what you try to help them do. You know, some guys uh, they have a difficult time seeing the floor grade, and um, some guys have a hard time shooting the perimeter shot, and you know, insist on shooting it. And, and you got guys who are dominant around the rim but can't shoot free throws, and that drives you batty, right? That's all stuff you got to work through. And um, you know, I, I I know we've been doing this for a long time, but there's never going to be a perfect player. Uh, and so I really do think that's where, you know, you got to look beyond the things that are just obvious to the eyes and kind of look deeper into really the effect on that they have on a team. And that's where I come back to with those two guys. I know there's a lot of um, people that talk about Clarkson's sh- uh, shot selection, Boyan's, you know, you know, sometimes he even said last night, I lose my mind sometimes, I think. Uh, you know that's stuff you go up and down with as a fan, but over the body of work, man, you got to love what those guys do. Last thing before we let you go, Tim, uh, and this is kind of out of the blue, but it is Dennis Rodman's 60th birthday today. And wow! My, my question for you is: Is he the best villain in NBA history? Man, there's been some good villains. Bill Lambeer. You know, I He's... I go back to like Lambeer. I go to uh, you know, it was really good one was Maurice Lucas. Oh yeah, that dude was a bad man. I remember him as a kid being like, "I wouldn't want any part of that guy." Isn't he? Wasn't um, he supposed to be Tim? He was really a nice guy, but then he put oh, yeah, on yeah. this sort of yeah. comical, uh, tough guy act. Yeah, I've read I've read things like that. Um, he's he's a guy I think of. I mean, I thought, uh, but but yeah, just because I think what Dennis did is he kind of took it to comic book with the color, right? Um, you know first guy ever to you know have four different colors in his hair and and his nostrils pierced and earrings and you know my wife and i we were actually at final four one year and they were honoring a bunch of guys at the final four and rodman was there and um it was just interesting i mean he he, he's a presence he walks into a room you know he's there and uh he was dressed in like a oversized cowboy hat looked like something you'd buy at the fair you know um with a, a sharp looking suit on and um but yeah i just think he's probably the guy that i would say would be in my lifetime the best villain how about danny age because he bit tree at rollins finger right did he bite see that that thing always to me did danny bite him or no did tree bite danny? no it was the other way around but somehow the story got twisted so that it was danny who was doing it and he, he was the victim I know Danny too well. He's not a villain. He, he's a good dude. Um, so, yeah, that, that kind of ruins it for me. I've, I've kind of seen behind the curtain and, and know his heart. So <laughs> there's no villain there. Yeah, see, I think I, I think you can be a good person and still be a villain. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, well, and Dennis played it up so much. But it, but Danny uh, did kind of have that villainous personality on the floor. I mean, you know, I, I think villain, who's the – Who's the guy when they go into another team's building that the other fans enjoy booing, you know? Yeah, but you know what? He Danny was just too in my mind he was too uh 
too refined, you know, as a player. It, it's the like Rodman. He kind of had to find his shtick, right? Uh, Lambeer kind of had to find his shtick. It was, hey, they're going to knock dudes down and they're going to out hustle you, and if I had to, they're going to bite you, I guess. All right, Tim. Well, always a pleasure, buddy. I'll uh, I'll see you tomorrow. Uh, earlier hey, can start I ask time. You one question, nice. real yeah. quick. Yeah. What is the saying? Uh, the sum is better than. I, I stammered on that for three minutes. So I know Jake's going to play that back and laugh at me. What, I, what is ooh, that the, saying? The Gordon? sum of the parts are greater than the whole. Something like that. Some yeah. of the parts are greater than the whole. That's what I was trying to find there when I was babbling. We so apologize. You. We hear you, buddy. It's all good. All right. All right, good. See you tomorrow. I'm just scouting myself, you know, already. <laughs> See you, buddy. See ya. Our friend Tim Lacombe, uh, of course, uh, Coach Tim Lacombe, uh, my co-host, Jazz, pre-half of post-game coverage. Tomorrow's game starts at 6. Pre-game coverage will begin at 5. We're actually doing the pre-game show from the warehouse tomorrow. Yeah, look forward to that. By the way, you could do the sum of the parts is greater than the whole, or you could do the sum of the parts is lesser than the whole. Okay. Or you could not do it at all. I mean, But I think the saying is greater than, right? What so. he was going for, anyway, yes. I believe. Yeah. All right, stay tuned. We'll have more Big Show coming up right around the corner, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Let's see, who was it on that play? It was Rhett Bird. Rhett Bird was the hawk in the right place at the right time. I guess that's true what they say. A bird in the hand is worth a ball on the full carpet. What time is it? It's half past the hour and time to talk Utah Jazz. Oh, Donovan! This is your Jazz at 30 update presented by Syringa Networks. Working from home or with a hybrid workforce? Get a powerful IT partner with Syringa Networks. Call 385-420-7881 or visit syringanetworks.net. Ring the 30-point bell. The shorthanded Jazz came up short last night against the Portland Trailblazers, 105-98. to Jordan Clarkson, though, had a fantastic game. 11 of 17 shooting, 29 points for Jordan. He talked about how his game is impacted without Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley. I'm not in catch-and-shoot situations anymore as much. You know, I'm on the ball a lot, trying to make plays and stuff, as well as Joe. Um, and as well as Boyan. So those two guys definitely come in and make big plays and break the defense down and, you know, do things a lot of teams don't have. So definitely those guys are missed. We can't wait to get them back healthy and ready to kick this thing off for the playoffs. So, you know, you'll see a really good team at that time as well. I think we're doing fine right now, holding the anchor down, but we definitely miss those guys. Bottom of the hour jazz update brought to you by our friends at Syringa Networks. Injury reports uh, have been released for tomorrow night's game against Oklahoma City. Mike Conley has been upgraded to questionable with his right hamstring. Juwan Morgan questionable as well. Donovan Mitchell, of course, remains out. Uh, here's who's out for the Thunder. Lou Dort, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, and Mike Muscala. Ty Jerome is questionable with a calf strain. Tomorrow night's game tips off at 6 o'clock. Pre-game coverage begins at 5. You're locked on to the big show presented by Big O Tires. Just doing it big, you know. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. show 
Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Want to remind you about our friends at Davis Vision. Their spring LASIK sale is going on now. Get rid of those contacts and glasses. Save $1,000. Start your road to better vision at Davis Vision. Uh, check them out at davisvisionmd.com or call today, 801-253-3080. That's Davis Vision. Big thanks to uh, Tim Lacombe for jumping on us with us in the last segment. His visit brought to you today by... Our friends at Cypress Credit Union, for a limited time only, get a free Utah Jazz signed Joe Ingles jersey when you open a new dream checking account with direct deposit at Cypress Credit Union. Cypress Credit Union, your future is our future. Jake, earlier today we were talking about the new Pac-12 commissioner and what he needed to do to, quote-unquote, fix football. What's his name again? George Klyavkov. Thank Kli- you. Klyavkov. That's what I'm, I'm going to have to get used to that because I, I know. We got to practice. Klyavkov. George Klyavkov. And when I first heard the news, by the way, I, I uh, uh, was hoping that this he was some sort of like a Russian oligarch. Uh, <laughs> that that is, not the, that is not the case. Not the case. Quite far from it. I no. thought that uh, he was going to uh, be negotiating the new media rights deal literally uh, with the barrel of a gun. We make Pac-12 great again. <laughs> so uh, Anyway. So uh, I wrote a column about it, and uh, in, in that discussion of the, the crater that uh, Pac-12 football has fallen in since USC won a national title in 2004, which is the last time a Pac-12 school has done so, Let me read off to you something that you already know, but when you take it in in its collected uh, nature, it kind of hits you over the head with a a sledgehammer, kind of. These are the teams that have won a national championship since the Trojans in 04. Texas, Florida, LSU, Florida, Alabama, Auburn, Alabama, Alabama, Florida State, Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson, Alabama, Clemson, LSU, and Alabama. So when I read that off, a couple things. One, uh, the Pac-12 is just in a different universe. But when you consider those teams and those champions, why do people care so much about college football? Doesn't that seem like about as exclusive a group as you're going to find anywhere? I mean, maybe that's the way it is. And maybe people like uh, domination in sports. But I guess some of the magic of college football is that people always think somewhere there's a chance. You know, their team might be able to break through somehow. It can't. Not really. Well, I don't you, – you list off those – it's interesting to hear them listed all in a row like that. And the number one thing I take from it is not necessarily that uh, the, the Pac-12 is, is far inferior to every other Power 5 league, but the SEC is so much far better than every other <laughs> league. Honestly, because how many, how many Big Ten titles did you list off right there? Uh, let's see, Ohio State. One. Mm-hmm. How many Big 12 titles did you list off there? None. One, Texas, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah, went right after. Right after U.S. So that barely counts. Yeah. And then, you know, the SEC, obviously, a bunch. And and as as much of an ACC honk as I am, you know, they're on there a couple of times, but that's just one team. Yeah. So I I don't know if that hearing that list sparks a, wow, the Pac-12 is completely inferior as much as it does. Man, the SEC is light years ahead of everybody else. But ordinarily, if I told you, Jake, 
yeah, that uh, that over the past sixteen years, those are the those are the teams that win championships in one little section of the country, really, for the most part. Everybody else is out. Yeah, but so it, why why the national interest? Or do you think there is a national interest when we talk about the Pac-12? You wonder whether who, how many people care? How many how many Pac-12 fans really care about it because they know it's kind of useless. Well, I think it's the it's part of the problem with our society, all or nothing society, where you can't enjoy the ride anymore. Uh, I do think college football is a national sport, but I also think it's a regional one, which is what strengthens it. Is because there are so many different teams, and then it's it's about competing for your well in the Pac-12's case your division, and then for your conference, and then a crack at the national stage. College football in the past, and I'm not saying we're not headed that direction now because it feels like we are, but in the past it hasn't been an all-or-nothing sport, where the one team standing hasn't been the the entire importance. Well, that's of because the, there hasn't been a playoff. Okay, you know, and so, but I'm not and saying so. There's a lot more opportunity to just play and say a bowl game. But the way that they they get their champion also uh, elim- eliminates randomness, because there are only a few amount of teams that get in. So of course, if you have a 64 team field like college basketball, your champion is going to be much more random than a four team playoff. That's just the definite the, the structure of it all. And that's one of the things Klyakov. Kliavkov, George Kliavkov, Kliavkov, stressed that so few really have an opportunity to play for a championship at the national level um, in football. And but even if those teams, other teams were invited, you wonder what their chances would be. I, maybe they could get lucky. But the I Pac-12 mean, has had a trouble getting a one or no loss champion. Right. If they get a one loss champion, they'd be included. It's not like there's been a bunch of quality uh, performances from Pac-12 teams that got screwed over. That's right. happened to the Big 12 a couple of times. Remember yeah. when they left out both Baylor and TCU? Yes. Uh, the when the Pac-12 has had a champion that's had one loss, that champion has gotten in. Twice, they just, right? Washington, right, twice. Oregon. Yeah, Oregon, but, Washington. So it's not like the Pac-12 has been screwed by the system. They just can't get a decent team out of their league. And that's one of the reasons why the commissioner brought up recruiting, because he sees that as a problem and that the Pac-12 schools need to do a better job of that. But the, how do you do that? And, and honestly, if you look, if you want to compare conferences, look at the Big 12. It seems to get Oklahoma in the playoff every single year, and they just get their <laughs> trash kicked. So how does this affect Utah? Has Utah been able to uh, – because the Utes have really done a respectable job of uh, elevating their program. But have they taken advantage of – a conference that's been down? Oh, no, I don't think so, because I think the conference has been deep with good teams at times. It's never been – like, if you look at the ACC, it's a it's a paper tiger, right? Because you've got Clemson on top that is so very good. But the rest of the league is dreadful. The Pac-12 hasn't had a good team on top, but the, the, the rest of the league has been okay – and I think Utah has been one of the better teams in the rest of the league. It's why the the what was it, a couple of years ago where they honestly had a shot at the college football playoff if they could have finished with one loss. It's why that that year was a disappointment for the Utes because that was their bite at the apple, and they 
and they missed it. Well, Utah has had an opportunity, obviously, to win the South, and they have done so, have not been able to win a, a conference championship. But if USC was the USC of old, uh, how would that affect the excitement around youth football here? If, if it would USC, be the same. If USC was always winning, I wonder what effect that would have on football fans here. Because because Utah fans, and quite rightfully so, think they have a chance every year. And, and they, they do again this year. And they still would. If uh, I mean, Utah fans were p- plenty engaged before they won the division title. So I don't I don't think it would would really if it would lift the conference is what it would do. Yeah, but they were engaged because it was a new experience. They were engaged in the Mountain West. They've been engaged since the Urban Meyer. I mean, it's I I don't think I don't think USC be if they returned to being really really good. I don't think that would take anything away from what's going on at Utah. Mm-hmm. Utah, Utah has to figure out a way to get through league with one loss. That's what they've got to do. And because they're in the Pac-12, they'll get into the college football playoff if they do that. I think that's fair to say. I would guess that anyway, unless there was something really weird going on. So a lot of this stuff with the Pac-12, and again, I can't believe I'm defending Larry Scott here, but you know, it's not like he's going out there and winning football games. If USC could get out of its own way... It, it would be a big time for yeah, the but the, Yeah, but there's, there are reasons for that. I mean, I think the, the Pac-12 network has been a disaster for drawing attention to the conference. Uh, okay, it hasn't but even the, really been in widespread distribution. And so then you have guys who say, okay, do I want to play uh, in front of a Pac-12 network audience or do I want to play – in front of a national audience for a, a, an elite program. And so those elite programs are hard to find in the Pac-12. But is that the reason that USC has booted four head coaching hires in a row? <laughs> there and, is, there and, is some blame there, yeah. And, and how about this with, with USC? When they move on uh, from uh, – who they move on from first? Lane or Sark? I gotta, when they move on from Lane Kiffin yeah. – they have Ed Ogeron be the interim coach who catches fire in a, or lightning in a bottle, and his players love him and all this, and they go, nah, I'm going to pass on him. <laughs> and then they hire Steve Sarkeesian, and then Sark goes by the wayside, and they have an interim head coach in Clay Helton who is as vanilla as it gets. And uh, they go, yeah, well, let's take on to that guy. Meanwhile, Ed Ogeron goes across the country and wins a national championship. <laughs> I mean, is that the Pac-12 Network's fault, or is that incompetence? Is LSU... Uh... In uh, investigative trouble, or yeah, there's a lot of things going on there. Their president, former president, who was the president at Washington, in some hot water. But anyway, yeah, this is why this whole conversation is so frustrating because you're sitting here going, "What's the matter with the Pac-12? Can't they win better? Can't they have a national presence?" Well, maybe they're not cheating as well. Or maybe they hired the wrong guy to follow up Chip Kelly at Oregon. Maybe the University of California, Los Angeles, is so incompetent they can't figure out how to get a football program up off the mat. Yeah, yeah. But but would it be easier to do that if, as Kyle Whittingham often points to, the lifeblood of his program, recruiting? But the, the, the five and top four-star athletes might not be interested in the Pac-12, even if you grew up in L.A. 
No, you're going to go off to Bama or Clemson or Ohio State. I still think USC is perfectly capable of recruiting well enough to be a player on the national stage. If if they're not, then that's a them problem. They're so doing you think, something wrong. You think it's uh, it's organizational problem within USC that has nothing to do with the conference as a whole. If you are the top university in one of the most uh, talent hotbeds in the entire country, where not that long ago that you had your pick from the best players in Southern California and they were coming no question. Yeah, but you don't have that pick anymore. I mean, a lot of, you those, should. Guys, a lot of those guys are jumping out of there. Well, hire a else. coach that makes it to – I mean, that's that's where Ed Ogeron was brilliant. It's because they they LSU didn't care if Ed Ogeron could coach football. Who cares about that? Get a coach that's going to land those players. That's what Ed made a Careful living what on. what you're wishing for, though. <laughs> Okay, but look the other way. This is the frustration in the, in the discussion. Or go out and do it right. Yeah, that'd be that'd be terrific if they could. You're the guy who thought uh, Urban would uh, turn it around overnight. Is that because Urban cheats better than everybody else? I don't know that, but I do think Urban would have made a difference at USC for sure. But you just said the only way to make a difference is by cheating. I didn't say it was the only way. I just think it it's a way. Uh, join us coming up tomorrow at the warehouse from 2 to 6, 1825 South, 300 West in Salt Lake City. Prices so low it'll blow your mind. The warehouse, more next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports radio afternoon show. I grind every day just so I can live a better life. This is The Big Show, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing. <laughs> Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, and 1280 of the Zone. I'm so fired up concerts are back. Corn and Stained, September 9th, out at USANA. Tickets go on sale tomorrow at concerts.livenation.com. Yeah, get back, USANA, it's back. Were you, were you guys it. the type that uh, when, when, the, when the pandemic hit, uh, and you had some some tickets to a concert bought. Do you hang on to those, or do you uh, exchange them for your original money? Oh no, my, my James Taylor tickets I still have has been kicked down the road like four times already. But yeah, I'm hanging on to those. Yeah, we uh, we gifted my mother uh, concert tickets to see Michael Bublé for Mother's Day last year, but we bought them in like uh, November, December of 2019. And uh, sadly, that concert didn't happen, but it's rescheduled for the October 13th, I think, yeah. here in this building. Might what's, as well hang on to them. What's the interest you should write, reach on that, you know, since they have your money and they haven't provided you the product? <laughs> well, they if they had provided the product, they would have been in a lot more trouble <laughs> than holding on to my money for an extra yeah. 
I'm going to pay for those that concert, whether it was in 2020 or 21 anyway. Do you so. think you'll get right back into it and think, ah, oh, you know, this is what I've been doing for my whole life? Or do you think you'll look around and go, well, this is weird? I, I told you this the other day, and I mean it wholeheartedly. I used to be a big germaphobe in the first place. I'm actually feeling like I'm going to let go of that a little bit. I'm ready to, to be a little uh, fearless. Is that because the va- vaccine has uh, emboldened you? It's just, you know, it's kind of like uh, I wasted a lot of time before the pandemic worrying about something that hadn't happened yet. Now it's happened. Let's move on from it. Oh, that's I'm, a pretty good attitude, I'm actually. Jumping it? right back in. I can't wait. Jake's moshing mosh it up. Oh, yeah. I can't wait to get into the mosh pit and just uh, get my face kicked off. You're getting too old for that stuff. Uh, that is a that is a fact. Uh, but yeah, I, I can't wait to. I'm. I'm in fact, I'm going to get on. Uh, I'm going to get on LiveNation.com right now. I'm going to see what the lineup is that you saw already. I'm getting out there at least a few times this summer if I can. Newborn and all makes it a little more challenging, but yeah, I can't <laughs> wait to get back to a concert. Yeah, that sounds kind of fun. Awesome, sounds fantastic. And uh, again, so uh, well, we might as well do the liner here. Oh. Stained and uh, and corn are coming to you, Sana, on Thursday, September 9th. Tickets go on sale tomorrow at concerts.livenation.com. Get out there, man. Let's get back to the let's get back to concert going. That sounds terrific. Well, it sounds like the CDC has said that if you're vaccinated, you don't need to wear a mask anymore. How about that? What a time. Yeah. Sounds great to me. Everybody get vaccinated. Well, there's a little incentive now, which I think is a good thing. Well, the governor is thinking about paying people if they get it. Hey, whatever. Whatever works, man. Yeah. Whatever gets me back to that concert sounds terrific. Yeah, didn't you miss the nine Kenny Chesney concerts last year? Gordon? Yeah, what are you doing not touring with Kenny? That's had to hurt you. Not true. Uh, but I did, uh, I think uh, I did, uh, my, my wife did uh, get some some money back for a couple of those. But I think we are scheduled for a couple of concerts, maybe even the one you're talking about going I mean, to. you are the family that did Kenny Chesney's concert here in this building and then the following weekend. In Boise. In Boise, it, it the same it show. It wasn't in this building. It was at USANA. Oh, well, in this city. And PK tricked and you. five in, days later. Tricked you into driving. Yeah, well, he didn't trick me. I, I volunteered. And then didn't fill up a courtesy <laughs> tank. That's like Road Trip 101. I would be so mad. I can't at believe least you're offer. not mad. Yeah, at least offer. Um, uh, that's what friends are for, to mooch off you. To take advantage? <laughs> <laughs> that is not what friends are for. <laughs> Still can't believe he didn't at least go, hey, let me pick up a tank. Well, he probably figured uh, that I was, was the benefit, uh, beneficiary of his sparkling personality. Did you pay for his hotel room, too? No. At least I don't think I did. Buy his tickets? Buy him dinner? No, no. I probably did that. I don't know. I can't remember. It's all a blur. It's all a, a blissful blur. Carry him into the hotel. But I did Over not, the threshold, I, lovingly. I, I did not need to see the same concert twice. Wasn't same it week. the exact same show? Yes. <laughs> and didn't you see him again in Vegas like two weeks after that? No. <laughs> no. We we got the tickets up in Woo, near, Kenny! Near I Boise, love and then And then they scheduled a show here. And somehow I got dragged to that. Kenny's looking down from the stage going, that weird guy followed me here from Salt Lake. Seriously. I just saw him. Don't talk about PK like that. (laughs) But then you did see him in Vegas. Uh, No, I didn't. Who would you see in Vegas? 
I oh, Zach Brown band. With Kenny? No. Kenny wasn't in Vegas. I haven't seen Kenny in Vegas, I don't think. Oh, I see. Okay. Well, good. Is Reba coming to town this year? <laughs> no, it's Old what about, Dominion. What about Old Dominion's Winona? a draw. I really like Old Dominion. What about that uh, that uh, country singer that uh, you were a fan of who got canceled, who we couldn't uh, decide who his, uh, what his last name was? Oh, what's his name? I forget the name. Waylon. Is that it? Or we argued whether it was Wallen or Waylon. Is it Morgan? Is it Morgan? Uh, you were the one who picked it for Beats Band me. of the Day. Don't I, ask yeah, me. That's because I liked a couple of his songs. I'm not a country guy, per se. Uh, but, you know, I do I do like the way my wife dresses when she goes to a country concert. <sighs> Got to perv it up. Wonder if she says the same thing about you. No. No. What we see here is probably what you wear, huh? <laughs> Jim shorts and a turquoise shirt and a sweaty hat. <laughs> this is not a sweaty hat. This is a relatively new Oh, it's hat. just faded? And have the sweat marks around the... There's no sweat room. marks you on this hat. You bought it pre-sweated? No. It looks like, uh, <laughs> it looks like Sean Miller's hat. <laughs> the this, basketball this coat? Sweaty no, basketball coat? This hat has not, has not been sweated. Through. Someone wear it in a sauna I, before I, you no, bought it? No, no I, do have, I do have some of those, but this one is clean. Clean. Completely Who's the clean. sweatiest coach in sports? Is it Sean Miller? Yeah, well, may he rest peacefully, John Thompson was. He, he had was a, a towel. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, he did go with the ah, towel. The shark did, too. Oh, yeah, the shark did, too. But now it's he probably Sean. on it, remember? Quinn, yeah. Quinn Snyder doesn't strike me as a very sweaty coach. No, he's too smooth to sweat. What about Mark Pope? He doesn't seem sweaty. What's it about Sean Miller where he, he like, sweats through, like, suit coats? Dude, I feel him. I don't need oh, to I've do anything there, to sweat. I've been there, too, but how come? I sweat in my sleep. Yeah. Didn't right. the late John Chaney used to sweat pretty good, too? Probably. The Temple coach? Yeah. Yeah. All right, stay tuned. We'll have more Big Show coming Sweaty up next. coaches. 97.5 and 12 in the zone. Woo. That was really a productive segment, wasn't it? Wrapping up a big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. Coming up next, the movie Zone. Johnny Lightfoot, Austin Horton uh, will uh, talk cinema for the next hour. I, I hate good stuff. this week's poll question. Hate it. What, uh, uh, what's her name, Jolie? Yeah, the best Angelina Jolie movie. And worst. What? what uh, All I mean, of them and the worst. You know. She's a prominent actor. And, and uh, said, uh, I think you're being a little rough on her. What's your favorite Angelina movie? I don't know if I have a favorite, but Mr. and Mrs. Smith was pretty good, don't you think, with Brad Pitt? Isn't that, the, like mo- the, isn't that the movie that where they sort of? Yeah, that's where he in uh, was infi- had uh, some uh, infidelity issues with his current wife, then his then wife Jennifer Aniston. Yeah, but that's our poll question because she's got a new movie out directed by the goat Taylor Sheridan. It's I, called "For Those Who Wish Me Dead." It's about a forest fire ranger who uh, has a young man show up and say, there's people trying to off me. They've already got my dad, and they're chasing me through the forest. It turns out that they're assassins, and the assassins light the forest on fire, and she has to help him get out alive. Is, hey. Gar- is Garrett Bowles in that movie? He's not, no. Not Forest Ranger Bowles. Taylor Sheridan did that uh, movie with Jeff Bridges, right? That uh, 
Hell or High Water. Hell or High Water. Also Wind River, Sicario, uh, the Yellowstone, the TV Love series. Love the Yellowstone. But uh, Hell or High Water was phenomenal. Yep, for sure. As was Wind River. I haven't seen Wind so, River. And also, we're excited for our second segment tonight because Chris Wright is going to join us. He's one of the lead animators from Sony Pictures. His latest uh, movie, The Mitchells vs. the Machines, it's on Netflix. It's a must-watch, must-see, so we'll talk to him about that. You love that show. I really do. It's it's a 9 out of 10. Oh, wow. Wow. Well, that's right, so a, a hearty recommendation. Action-packed movie zone coming up next. How are the box office numbers? The movie theaters back? Getting better. Getting, getting better. better. And this week, there's six new movies out this week, and four of them, I think, have potential to be ones that people show up on Monday and say to their coworker, hey, this is one to go see in the theater. Have you missed going to the theater? I've been here and there, but not as much as I used to, and I will get better. I remember that. how special it used to feel to go out and get one of those nice, comfortable chairs and, and watch yourself a movie. It's uh, It's been a while for me. I need to get back to that. Make it happen. So that's up next. Love those luxury theaters. Yeah. That makes the experience so much better. I know. Yeah. I like it. Just melt into that chair. All right. Uh, Movie Zone coming up next. Stay tuned for that. Gordon, you enjoy your evening, sir. I will catch up with you tomorrow at the warehouse, being in comfortable chairs. Yes, I'll look forward to it. How's the little one? Oh, she's... Uh, the little ones. Uh, she's she's mm, sleeping briefly, kind of. <laughs> Well, I'm glad you're so useful around the house. Last night was was tough. I'm tired. But, you know, loving it. Yeah, of course you are. Yeah, loving it. Well worth it. All right. We'll talk to you tomorrow on The Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.